Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I can't describe how life-giving the scoot was to me. Like, that means this room is full of people, and it's just really good to be together. My name is Katie Wilson, and I'm a ministry coordinator here at Trinity. And as is our rhythm here at Trinity, we're going to read the Bible, we're going to pray, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. So if you have Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 11. And if you've been with us at Trinity this past month of July, we've gone through the book of Colossians for the last four weeks, which was really great. But I'm really excited, too, because in August, we're going to be going through certain passages of the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is this great book that if you're like a little bit of an Old Testament nerd, like this is a great book because it's in the New Testament about Jesus, but all these Old Testament references. So I'm really excited that we get to walk through that together today. And we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to do 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump to 8 through 16. So starting in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Switching to verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Lord, thank you for the words of scripture, for the life of Abraham, for this thing called faith. Lord, would you speak to us today? Would we hear your voice? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I had a handful of people this week being like, Katie, what are you preaching on? And I would say, oh, Hebrews 11. And every time it was like, the Hall of Fame chapter, the chapter about the heroes, which always made me laugh because it kind of feels like the who's who of the Old Testament. Like, if you aren't in Hebrews 11, were you actually a part of the Old Testament? <laughs> and, of course, this chapter is more than just 
a hall of fame, which feels like such an American way to describe a chapter. Um, but this is more than even just a roll call of heroes or a list of that we should stand back and be like, good job, guys. I think this is actually a list of people and a story that's being told that we're invited into. That this is a narrative that the Lord is telling with all these figures from the Old Testament, and we're a part of that same stream of people. And so I want to invite us today to think about how we are a part of this same narrative. But before we get to like the listing of all the people, and in our reading we just really get Abraham, um, before that, the author of Hebrews takes these first three verses to set the table of what this whole chapter is about. And what it's about is faith. And we get this first line in Hebrews 11.1, uh, 1, and it, it feels like the verse that if you memorize scripture ever, you surely memorize this one. Like I think I had it written on my mirror like as a teenager or like an index card. It's like a really famous, familiar verse. And it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And as I was thinking about it this week, I was like, great verse, lots of good Christian words, faith, hope, assurance, things not seen. But then I paused. I was like, what does it actually mean? What is he actually saying faith is? Because I think really easily we could hear this and be like, okay, faith is the assurance of um, things hoped for, a.k.a. I believe in heaven, and faith is the conviction of things unseen, a.k.a. I believe in God, even though I can't see him. And it becomes this, like, check, check, I believe in heaven, I believe in God, I clearly have faith. And I, of course, don't think that's untrue. Like, I do believe in heaven, and I do believe in God, but what I think is that the author of Hebrews has a more robust idea of what faith is, that faith is something that has substance and has weight. And I think all of us, if we're honest, we long for more than just a casual belief in God and heaven. We long for something that matters for the way we live our life. And so as I was reading this chapter and in the life of Abraham, these two thoughts I see in here, and we're going to throw those up on the slides. And that is, faith is living as if the promise for the future is sure. You can go ahead and throw the other one out. And faith is living as if its power in the present is real. Faith is living as if God's promise for the future is sure. Faith is living as if his power in the present is real. Because faith has to be more than just this theory in our head or this feeling we have. Like, faith is not just a theoretical thing. It's actually something that affects the entirety of our lives, affects the way that we live each day. And so this is how the author of Hebrews decides to frame this whole chapter. And when we jump to Abraham in verse 8, we get, like, sort of a short synopsis of his story. If you, like, want to hear the full story, Genesis 12 through 22, great, great chapters. Uh, but... Our verse starts with this word, or these words, by faith. And when, I, when we hear that, I want us to hear, by living as if God's promise for the future is sure, and living as if his power in the present is real, by that, Abraham obeys God when he sets out to a place where he is to receive an inheritance. 
And if we go back to Genesis, we see that the inheritance that Abraham is going towards is twofold. One is this promise of descendants. That Abraham would be the father of many nations that would bless the entire world. And the other thing is that he is promised a home, land. And what's problematic about these promises is that Abraham was a nomadic nobody, so place felt improbable. And he was really old, and his wife was barren. So descendants also felt fairly improbable. But because Abraham lived as if the future promise of God was sure, he, he moved and followed where the Lord was calling. He obeyed. And right away, we see that faith isn't just this belief Something that we sit around and think about. Abraham could have sat in like Ur of the Chaldeans and been like, hmm, so glad to get a descendant soon. Can't wait to go to the land. Faith actually compelled him to move. He had to go to the land, even though it says they, he didn't know where he was going. And in this land that he follows, this faith that he moves in, it says that even when he got to the promised land, even when he was at that place that was supposed to be home, he still felt like a nomad, still lived in tents, still felt like a stranger. And the scriptures tells us that for he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And I love that verse. Because if you're a nomad who lives in tents, this idea of a city that has foundations is so good. You don't have to wander around. You don't have to pitch a tent every night. It's rather this place that has permanence, that is solid and real. And I wonder if sometimes we feel a little like nomads, kind of wandering through life, wondering, are we moving? Is our life going anywhere? And we have these like little milestones that we think maybe mark where our life is moving. Like we get a job or we get married or have kids, retire. And these are like things that we're moving towards, but is our life moving towards anything ultimate? Because sometimes those things are fleeting or they don't happen. Or even when they do, it feels like something's still missing. And I think what we long for is something that is permanent something that is sure for this future promise. And so the author sets us up with this desire of a city and then kind of pivots pretty quickly to talk about Abraham and Sarah having a child. And what I think is funny about this part is that we sometimes, because we know the Bible, we're like, yeah, of course Sarah had a child even though she was barren but if we were to really think about it that was impossible it's impossible how old they were that she was barren that they would have a child yet it says because they believed they considered him faithful who had promised they believed that they would have a child and even though they believed that didn't mean they didn't have doubts Honestly, I mean, we read that in the Genesis. He was like, uh, are you sure? I don't have any descendants. You're promising descendants, but I don't see any. Abraham and Sarah had doubts, and they tried to make things their own way. And what is helpful for me in that is that 
Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Because that first verse in our chapter doesn't say faith is believing everything there is about Christianity, knowing everything about God, knowing how science and religion fit together, knowing what to do with other religions, knowing what to do when the church doesn't always look like the church. It's not saying that is what faith is. Doubts are not the opposite of faith. I actually think sometimes when we have doubts and we're questioning and we're moving towards that, it shows that we care. It shows that faith matters to us. It actually means that we're taking it seriously. And as we say here around Trinity that if faith meant that you had to check your brain at the door, it's not what it's about. That the, I believe the Lord like created us with minds and curiosity to ask questions. And that as we come alongside others asking those questions doesn't mean we don't have faith. And I think the challenge for those of us who doubt and those of us who believe and those of us who one and the same, we're doubting and believers, I think still the challenge is that doubt and belief isn't in our head. It has to be something that we live out of. And then with Sarah and Abraham, to like sort of reinforce the idea that, um, that they had a child by the power of God, it says, from one person, and this one is good as dead, descendants were born. And I laugh at that every time. Good as dead, that's a little harsh. But I, mean, I think the author of Hebrews wants to make sure we know this was a work of God. And what God was doing is what God is always doing and that's bringing life out of dead things. From what was good as dead, life came. And I don't think we can read this without thinking of Jesus, thinking about his death that ultimately brought life. In our passage, Jesus isn't mentioned, but if you were to read basically any other verses of Hebrews, Jesus is a part of all of it. That's the lens we're supposed to see it with. And I wondered, or I wonder, what if we lived as if the areas of our life that feel dead, that life could come out of those? What if we lived as if the friendship that feels broken, the marriage that feels dead, the job prospect that feels dead, what if we lived as if God could bring life out of those things? I think he desires that we were to live by his power now, that the power in the present is real. And I don't know exactly how the Lord will bring life out of places that seem dead in your life. It doesn't, it's not like a two plus two equals four. But what I do believe is that the Spirit wants to enter into those spaces, wants to go into the places where we feel dead inside. And I think an invitation for us is to lay those places before the Lord asking for life to come forth. And then, so it's talking about procreation, that God is powerful in the present. And then we switch back to the future, where we see, if we go back in verse 10, it talks about the city that has foundations. And then verses 13 through 16, they don't use the word city again, but they, they, they use this word home, a better country, a heavenly country. And I think sometimes our brains are programmed that when we hear that, we think like, oh, 
when we're on the clouds with our souls and in white robes, that that's where he's talking about. That's the better country. And I don't think that's the ultimate hope, the ultimate better country that we're talking about here. What I think is that the ultimate hope, the place that our story is heading is towards new creation, towards a home where God will make all things new, where this world will be made new, where our bodies will be made new, this world where there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, that God will dwell with his people as he always intended to do, a place where we belong, where we're united even in our diversity, especially in our diversity. Abraham was an alien and a foreigner in that land, not because the world was evil and he needed to escape. He was a stranger and an alien and a foreigner because that place was pointing towards something else. It wasn't evil and he needed to escape, but it was pointing, it was a signpost to this better country. And because of that, Abraham conducted his whole life based off of that. His entire lived experience was based off of that promise that he was sure about. And for us, if we were to have faith, to live into this promise, that requires hope. And hope's kind of one of those other Christian words that gets tossed around and sometimes as we think about it as like naive optimism or uh, like not being in tune with reality or just being dumb. Because why, why would you hope if that's only going to set you up for disappointment? I, sometimes for me, hope feels really hard because it's risky. It feels safer sometimes just to like cut that off, to not hope. But what I think is that the ability and the capacity to hope is actually a part of what makes us human. It's a part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we can have hope. But what I really appreciate about the Bible is it doesn't describe hope as that peppy optimism. Often hope is described as this longing and a groaning. In Romans 8, we see this language that says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies. All of creation is longing. All of creation is groaning. So when we look around and see our world and see that it is not right, we're groaning for the better country. We don't have to pretend like everything's okay. But in our longing, in our groaning, we're actually hoping and so just as faith isn't this theoretical belief, hope isn't this naive feeling. It's the ability to live in our in-between place where things are not as they should and they're not yet what they will be. But I think in this space is, our, is where we can live this faith, is where we can live as if the promise for the future is sure and the power of God is in the present. And I think what that looks like for us is taking the hope of new creation and bringing that in to the present, where 
we might look like strangers and foreigners here, but my hope is that we don't look like strangers because of the things we're for or against, but that maybe we look like strangers and aliens because of the way we love, because the way we serve, because the way we're in a world that says it's all about me and mine. But what if, what if we were the kinds of people that we're marked by reconciliation? We're marked by kindness. We're marked by a love of beauty and good things. If we're people that believe that there is a better country, why wouldn't we live now in light of how we will live for eternity? And our passage ends today with the words, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. And when we read that, that, those words, not ashamed, you know, I don't think that means that God is like neutral. But I think God actually delights to be their God. And God delights to be your God, our God. And his hope is that we would have this faith that affects the entirety of our lives. And it's so easy to forget is maybe it's going to be silly, but I hope some of you can relate, is I, I sometimes find myself at really random times having this moment where I, like, pause. And it's this uh, like kind of out-of-body existential moment where I'm like, wait a minute. I believe there's a God. And I believe he created the whole world. And I believe he sent his son to die on the cross, and he was raised from the dead which is this rescue mission to redeem and restore all creation. And that's what I'm trying to build my whole life around. And I have this second where I'm like, am I crazy? Am I crazy that that's what I'm trying to build my life on? And then thankfully, fairly quickly, I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I believe. That's exactly what I want to build my life upon. And I think if we, if we really believe that is true, it has to affect the way we live. That, that can't be true and, and not matter for our day-to-day. And so my hope as we leave here is that we're thinking about what would it look like for us to live with that kind of faith? To live with faith as if God's promise for the future is sure and his power in the present is real as is our rhythm here at Trinity, we're gonna take a few minutes to be still, to reflect, to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And in this time, I have a question for us that we can think about. And is, how does the future hope of a better country, that is a heavenly one, impact how you live today? We're gonna take a few minutes to be still, and then Marty's gonna come up to serve communion.